Good Love afternoon. Radio. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on Far Rock Live. I am Shirley T. Harris, your host for today's segment. This is the G Spot, and thank you so much for joining this adult conversation. Today, we're going to talk about dealing with unresolved childhood issues. A lot of people may be unfamiliar with what that entails. Um, However, there are so many people who are dealing with the effects of their adverse childhood experiences. One of the things that I'd like to talk about today is, again, dealing with unresolved childhood issues and adverse childhood experiences. And I I am aware that this is an unpleasant topic for a lot of people. Most people would rather ignore this harsh reality in favor of focusing on more pleasant and interesting topics, such as making money, for some people, is watching television, and for others, it's just living a life as if they don't have a care in the world. Yet, in spite of all that, there are so many people who are suffering in silence because they're too afraid to speak up about their adverse childhood experiences and are unwilling to face their unresolved childhood issues. There are also a lot of people who, as I said earlier, have no idea that their adult behavior is a result of how they were treated as a child. And I'd like to share with you some information from an article that was published some time ago on this very topic about um, your unresolved childhood problems. The article is entitled, Recognizing and Overcoming Your Childhood Problems. And the childhood has been described as the 18-year hypnotic induction. And that's where uh, we see and experience our formative years. And a lot of times those formative years still impact us hugely in ways that we might not be aware of. And a lot of those experiences shape who we are today. Maybe your parents were constantly fighting and you didn't want to hear it, so you became a bad listener. And this could be the same behavior that creates problems in your current relationships as an adult. You don't want to listen. When you get a trigger that an argument is about to start, you tune out. That was your coping mechanism as a child, and you still inherently use that to cope with stressful situations in your life as an adult. Maybe your parents were always too busy for you as a child, so you fake getting sick so that you would get their attention. And now, as an adult, You're sick all the time, and you don't even have sick leave at work because you've used it to avoid unpleasant situations possibly at work. So you faked getting sick so you don't have to go into work. 
children don't have much to say about the families that they're born into. And yes, far too many children grow up in homes with family dysfunctions raising, uh, ranging from physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, being raised by drug-addicted parents, and they have other adverse experiences as children. But on the flip side of that, what many of these abusive, neglectful parents fail to realize during their child-rearing years is that that child is going to grow up to be an adult someday. And that child will be emotionally tarnished and will remember the traumatic abuse that they suffered. I wrote a book that was recently published entitled Conversations with the Little Girl Within. And the book is my story. It's my journey of healing, of finding forgiveness, and ultimately being liberated from my adverse childhood experiences. It was it was finally wonderful to be able to put a face to the name of the pain that I was experiencing. Many of you know what it's like to talk to someone on the phone day in and day out, in, either in working relationships or business relationships, and you never really met that person. And then one day you have the opportunity to meet that person. So what's usually the first thing that you hear? Oh, it's so nice to finally be able to put a face to the voice on the other end of the phone. And that's how I felt when I realized that there is a legitimate term, a name, for what I've been experiencing for so many years dealing with my unresolved childhood issues. And that's ACE is the acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences. It was during the writing of my book, Conversations with the Little Girl Within, that I realized that, yes, it's not just in my imagination and that there is a legitimate organization, many organizations out there that deal specifically with this issue. And that gave me a lot of hope. One of the things that I'd like to take a moment to do is to give out the call-in number if anyone is listening and you'd like to call into the show. The number to call in is 619 619- Nine two four zero seven zero six. Again, you can call in with any questions or comments that you'd like to contribute to today's segment. And again, that number is six one nine nine two four zero seven zero six. I'd like to take a few moments to share some. Uh, a brief synopsis or excerpt from my book, Conversations with the Little Girl Within, A Journey of Forgiveness, Healing, and Liberation from 
Unresolved Childhood Issues. Now, I'd like to also say that when I started writing a book, I did not start out writing this book. This book wanted to be written, and it practically wrote itself. I had started writing a totally different book, totally different topic, had about three chapters written in a book, and somehow it didn't feel like the book that I was supposed to be writing at that time. It just felt like something else wanted to be expressed, and I had no idea what that was. So I took a break from writing the book that I was writing to meditate on you know, what is it that I'm supposed to be writing about? And after some uh, a couple of weeks of meditation and pondering the topic or the subject of the book that, I, that felt like it wanted to be expressed through me, I got a couple of um, messages, actually, couple of impressions that whatever it is that I'm supposed to be writing about had to do with unresolved childhood issues, and that was a term that I was not familiar with at all. And that was confirmed uh, through a series of experiences that I had that led up to me writing this book that, yes, I am supposed to be writing about unresolved childhood issues. And once that was confirmed, I did the research necessary. And once I was a little more informed about the topic and I started writing, again, the book practice itself. And a lot of times when, and I hope this is the case for a lot of writers, we don't just write for ourselves. We write for our audience because there's an inspired message inside of each and every one of us that needs to be told, spoken, no matter what format that is. And when God puts something in you to do, you're not going to be content until you do it, no matter how outlandish it might seem to you, but it's always about God's will for our lives. So one of the, um, when I started writing this book, and I started thinking about unresolved issues in my life and adverse uh, childhood experiences, one that stood out the most to me was when my mother told me how she tried to abort me when she found out that she was pregnant again. And as I was probably nine, ten years old, and can and I mean you can imagine how I felt hearing my mother go into detail about how she tried to terminate the pregnancy. So I wrote about that, of course, in the book. And I want to share that moment with you as soon as I get to that page. Airy Confession is on page 13. Let's see. Airy Confession. So I'm going to share this chapter in the book. It's chapter 2. And it's called Airy Confession. 
Everyone in the family was sitting around the table during dinner, my sisters and brother and both parents. I was about six or seven years old at the time. It was a warm summer evening, and both my parents were in a good mood. Once the kitchen was cleaned, they sat back down to the table to play a game of cards. It was a rare time seeing them laughing and having a good time with each other. My parents used to fight a lot, so I grew up in a household with a lot of domestic, witnessing a lot of domestic violence. And some of the fights were really bloody. Um, So getting back to the book, my siblings left the kitchen and went to their rooms. I wanted to join in the fun, so I asked my father what they were playing and if I could play as well. He responded they were playing a game of called Trunk, and he allowed me to join in. As my father proceeded to explain the game, I noticed my mother get up from the table to pour herself another drink of Sigram's 7 whiskey, and she sat back down. What I didn't realize was that by asking to join in the game, I had interrupted a rare moment they were sharing. It was one of the first times in a long time they were getting along, and I had diverted my father's attention away from my mother, and like most insecure women, even though I was her child, she felt I was a menace in that moment. She was no longer the object of his attention. My mother was drinking rather heavily, and she got up from the table to fix herself another drink. My sister and brother came back into the kitchen and asked to join the game as well. About a half hour or so of playing cards, my mother began to talk about her life growing up in the South. Then she started talking about how she never thought about having kids. She said that after she had my older siblings and found out that she was pregnant again, that she tried to abort the baby. Me. She went into detail about how some of her girlfriends told her what to do to get rid of it. One method was to use a clothes hanger to scrape it out and then dish with a bottle of Coca-Cola. She followed that procedure with drinking a bottle of hot sauce. She complained that nothing she had tried worked. Although I didn't fully understand all that she said, I sensed her disdain by the sharp and hateful tone of her voice as she told her tale. It sent chills through my young body, and I stiffened from the coldness of her words. I listened in horror as this woman described how she tried to kill me. As she talked, she stared out into space without blinking, as if she was reliving the event. My father was appalled and told her several times to shut up, but she kept on blabbing. I knew in that moment that I hated her for what she had just revealed. To add insult to injury, my siblings thought the tale was amusing and began laughing and mocking me, saying, Mommy didn't want you, and I finally ran out the kitchen and into my bedroom sobbing. My father came into the room shortly thereafter to console me, but I was inconsolable and unable to move from the fetal position my body had assumed. 
He stood by the bed and said, Shirley, you know your mama, you know how your mama is when she's drinking. You know she didn't mean what she what she said. He stood there a moment, probably waiting for me to respond, and then he walked out of the room. It didn't matter to me what he said about her. She had said she didn't want me and she tried to kill me. It hurt so deeply, nothing my father said could take away that pain. And I will leave it there. But can you imagine the impact that had on me as a child to hear her mother, someone who she wanted her affection so badly would do anything to get it? What, how, how would that have made you felt if you heard your mother say something like that to you? I was talking to a lady about a year or so ago, and she told me how every morning when she wakes up, she says, oh, God, I'm still alive. When I heard those words come out of her mouth, it shocked me, and I asked her, why? I mean, why would you say something like that? She was about four or five years old when she heard her mother telling uh, one of her friends how she, too, did not want her daughter and that she wished her daughter had died. Can you imagine that? And every morning this woman, she's got to be late 50s, early 60s, Every morning this woman this woman wakes up and says, "Oh God, I'm still alive." I tried to talk with her, I tried to counsel with her, and she was a difficult case. She didn't feel worthy to be loved by anyone. She was married. She didn't have kids of her own, but she did have a, a bunch of adopted kids and foster kids that she took care of. And she did, she could not accept love under any circumstances, again, because she didn't feel that she was worthy to be loved after being traumatized as a child, hearing her mother say that she wished that she had died. So that's just the tip of the iceberg of this topic that we'll probably be talking about for a couple of more weeks. Um, again, I know this is an unpleasant topic for many people to talk about, but it is a topic that needs to be discussed. Too many adults are suffering as a result of their unresolved childhood issues, and we no longer have to suffer in silence. Writing this book was very, very therapeutic and healing for me. I was able to go through so many healing modalities to finally be able to make peace with my past and no longer be afflicted 
by my painful childhood memories. In this article that I cited earlier, one of the things that this writer, Allison O'Neill, says is that if you don't address your issues from childhood, those you know about, and perhaps some you are yet to uncover, your children will suffer and carry those problems to another generation. And for you to be whole, the most important thing you need is a full, healthy, and mature self-esteem. And that is so true. Um, Physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect are usually generational patterns of behaviors that family members cover up for years. And it's time to break that cycle. The good news is that whatever you experience, you can overcome. And you can one thing you can do is think about your parents' worst traits and ask yourself how your life is affected by that trait today. We have to be open and honest with ourselves first and foremost. We have to face those unpleasant issues in order to be free from them. Once we face them, they lose their power. We no longer have to be ashamed of our past or feel guilty about our past. This is the 21st century. We live in an information age, and people are more understanding and accepting of life experiences more so today than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. No more keeping family secrets because those secrets are killing us. Those secrets are being kept generations down the line. And until someone has the courage, stand up, speak their authentic truth, and say enough is enough, only then will the cycle be broken. Are you going to be that person? Are you going to speak up? Are you going to speak up for that little wounded girl or that little wounded boy inside of you that that adult represents? When when I was writing this book, one of the conversations that I had with my little girl shocked me when that little girl inside expressed her anger and her hatred for how my mother treated her. And as an adult child, as an adult woman, I didn't realize how much anger and hatred I still harbored 
in my subconscious toward my mother until I started dealing with my unresolved issues. I didn't realize how deeply my adult life was impacted because I was still reliving those child those painful childhood memories. And it's not only about the physical abuse. There was sexual abuse as well from people that I trusted, from people in authority who took advantage of me as a child. Children are pretty much helpless when they're living in an adult world surrounded by adults that they trust. But when that child grows up to become an adult themselves, they have a responsibility, I believe, to go back and make amends with their past in order to set that wounded child free. Otherwise, you will continue to be haunted by those childhood memories. You will continue to behave in ways that you may or may not associate with those traumatic childhood experiences. There was, um, what was I reading? There there is a program that comes on television. It's Ayana's Fix My Life. A lot of those stories are dealing with painful childhood memories that these adult participants on her show have experienced. So now their adult behavior, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's toxic relationships, whether it's even being an abuser in a relationship, when she gets to the heart of the matter, she's dealing with a little six- or a seven-year-old child that's still wounded from their traumatic, their adverse childhood experience. Another article by um, Casa, the staff at Casa Palmera is Seven Ways to Heal Your Childhood Trauma. First and foremost is to acknowledge and recognize the trauma for what it is. Victims, and the article reads, victims of childhood trauma often spend years minimizing the event or dismissing it by pretending it didn't happen or by succumbing to feelings of guilt or or self-blame. One of the things that I encountered when I was writing my book and interviewing people and some family members as well is that they wanted to minimize the events of my life, the abuse, the physical abuse, saying, oh, well, that's how it was back then. That's what parents did. But that doesn't excuse the behavior. Just because that's what parents did, first of all, doesn't make it right, and second of all, doesn't negate that I was still traumatized by those experiences. So don't minimize what you've been through 
or dismiss it by pretending that it didn't happen. Deal with it. The only way to begin to heal is to acknowledge that traumatic event did occur and that you were not responsible for it. The second thing that they suggest is that you reclaim control. And that's going to do it for this episode of dealing with your unresolved childhood issues. Um, We are running out of time. And so this is part one, and we will continue this discussion on the next episode of Far Rock Live, The G-Spot, where adults come to deal with their adult I am Shirley Harris. You can reach me at ShirleyTHarris.com. You can find me on Facebook, and uh, you can email me at Shirley, S-H-I-R-L-E, Harris, at AIM.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for joining this episode of Far Rock Live.